Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, everyone. Michael McNutt, Weedy's Director of Events and Education here. This week, I welcome Daniel Abrams, CEO at MassLight and Zap EHR. For nearly 30 years, Weedy has been the preeminent national membership association for health IT guidance and collaboration. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Weedy is the leading authority on the use of health IT to efficiently improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce costs. For information on our member benefits and educational offerings, visit our website, wedi.org. This week's guest, Daniel Abrams, was a senior software engineer at Apple prior to founding MassLight in 2000. MassLight invests capital in software engineers in digital health startups and have started to dip its toe into the EHR industry. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here. Ah, definitely. My pleasure. Um, we start all our episodes asking our guests about their origin story. I mentioned briefly, just for a second, working at you working at Apple earlier. Uh, before I ask you to walk through your inspirations, aspirations, and motivations that brought you to Mass Light, um, working at Apple over two decades ago, uh, did you have any idea back then of the influence and in quantum leaps in technology that brought us here today where I'm looking at my iPhone, I'm recording this podcast on a MacBook. Did you have an idea of the technology that you were working on or people you were working with would have such an influence and stranglehold, a positive or negative one, um, on our society? I think in some sense for all of us working at Apple at the time, that would have been incredibly hard to predict. So at the time I was at Apple, every other headline in the papers was beleaguered Apple this, beleaguered Apple that. Um, and yet at the same time, inside at Apple, um, it was clear that things had turned around and it was an incredibly exciting time to be there. So on the one hand, you had all these teams that um, every day were coming to work excited. It was clear internally, and what wasn't clear to the rest of the world, that, that things had turned around, that Apple was in the direction of producing amazing products. Now, that it turned out so spectacularly, um, no, I, I don't know that any of us could have predicted exactly that that was going to happen. And I'm not even sure that that was the motivation. I, I think the motivation was to come to work, um, to find um, opportunities to work on great products and, and to give all you had to doing that. Um, and, and that just made it a really fun place to work at the time. That's awesome. I, I love the fact that externally there was so much kind of negativity, negativity and black cloud thoughts about Apple. But inside, you guys were positive and like, hey, let's go take care of business. And I, I'm assuming a lot of that positivity, along with your acumen with technology, helped you get to Mass Light. Now, after Apple, what got you the past two decades to the point where you know healthcare was something you were interested in and got you to Mass Light and Zap EHR? Uh, I think first I'd like to talk about a project that I was leading in Apple that, that may be a little surprising um, because at the time Apple was working with a bunch of external customers as well. So it was shortly after the merger with Next. Um, Next had this enterprise software division where they were building software, not just internally, but externally as well. Um, and among the other things that I had done when I was there was I led a team that built the very first web-based EHR. Wow. Um, so... So there were no web-based EHRs at the time. This was kind of very early um, in, in the days of web applications emerging. Um, Apple uh, had an agreement with the Defense Department to replace an aging mainframe-based EHR. 
and um, and I was the technical lead um, for for that effort. And so that was kind of actually when I first dipped my toe in the water mm-hmm. in that space um, and got some sense of just how bad um, the systems that existed were. Um, and um, and then I didn't touch EHRs for about. 15 or 15 years after that. So I, I took a long break, but, um, but that was when I initially got excited about being in that space. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm glad. Interesting that, yeah, it, it, it took you it, that distance and then it came back. So, so what prompted you to come back to EHRs and, and feel that this is zap EHR is something that you could do to help the healthcare industry? So it was a little bit of a coincidence, a little bit of this formative experience, a little bit of opportunity. But what happened was um, MassLight had reached the point where we were beginning to do angel and seed level investment in startups. So we were going out and talking to all these founders, um, and we started getting feedback from founders along the lines of, we're very happy to talk to you about this round that we're raising. In other words, we're interested in your capital, but we're also particularly interested in your expertise on the software engineering side. We have a set of problems that um, we haven't been able to solve. And so we developed this profile of founders that, um, that we now work with. They're principally non-technical founders. Um, originally, we started out somewhat agnostic in terms of the vertical room, but for reasons I'll talk about, it ultimately ended up being health and medical startups. Um, and so these non-technical founders um, would have worked in uh, in the industry for 10 or 15 years. In some cases, they were clinicians. In some cases, they were on the payer side. It varied a little bit, but the common denominator was they had this deep base of experience um, in the healthcare community. They had a vision for a particular product. So they had been working long enough that they could say, I know there's this problem that I want to solve. Um, and they had this Rolodex of industry contacts or enough experience to know that if they had a solution to that problem, they could go out um, and advocate and sell that solution. And so we said, well, that's very interesting. Um, oh, and so the obstacle that they had was they, they just didn't have the technical capacity to, to build this product that they wanted to build. And so we said to them, that's very interesting. Aren't there accelerators or other programs that are designed to help founders like you? And what they told us, which turned out to be largely true, was that from small municipal accelerators all the way up to very large uh, programs like Techstars and Y Combinator, there was generally an expectation that you came in with the technical capacity to build your product. In other words, the accelerator was not going to help you solve that problem. And so I said, wow, maybe this is a real opportunity for us to, to add some, uh, some unique value. Um, and so a little bit by circumstance, a little bit by choice, very first startup that we did that with was a company called Pacify. Um, and Pacify is a health tech startup. So Pacify provides instant access to lactation consultants and pediatric nurses and and doulas to to moms um, with the hope that um, they can keep them out of the emergency room for situations that aren't really emergencies. In other words, the pediatrician closes at 5 p.m. or whatever it is, Um, mom has a question or a problem, um, and pacified clinicians are there um, to to help solve that problem. So... um, incredibly interesting founders, incredibly important problem um, that they're trying to solve. And also um, 
became uh, important to us and that it established this practice that we now call Build for Equity, where we work with startups under this model um, and also got our feet back into the um, health tech space. This was about 10 or 11 years ago now um, that we began doing this and just became the basis for a program and a set of experiences that began to snowball after that. That's incredible. I, I love the idea with Maslite. It's not necessarily someone who comes in with a lot of technical expertise, but it's just the idea. Someone with a dream, someone with a thought, and you guys are there to really help them out. How has the uh, landscape for healthcare investment been? Uh, we here at Weedy, uh, we do reach out to startups from time to time, and we'd love to hear about the work that they're doing. Uh, but overall, what have you seen, I guess, out there, like I said, the landscape of healthcare investment? How, how are these startups going? So one of the things that's a little unique about us, um, and this it, this is true of the startup landscape in general, is that it's generally hard to find institutional capital willing to invest in very early stage startups. In other words, if you have a startup that's pre-revenue, pre-market um, fit, um, it is hard to go out and raise capital. It was hard five years ago, and the landscape has gotten even tighter since then. So in the last year to year and a half in particular, uh, the VC markets have in many ways um, closed um, or tightened a great deal. Um, so one of the unique things that Maslite does is work with founders at this very, very early stage. Now, having said that, I will say, I think it's a very, very good time to be involved in uh, a health tech or medical startup because there remains interest both on the institutional capital and VC side under the right circumstances. And also, I think that there are regulatory or other tailwinds that are kind of pushing those startups forward. And so there's a lot of interest in the space and, and a lot of opportunity. Excellent. We'll talk about a couple of those regulatory items later when we're uh, chatting about you know patient access uh, and also emerging technology. Uh, you were talking about um, you know your uh, the EHR work that you had done. Um, looking now, fifteen years after you had first worked with EHRs, you probably have seen a lot of them come and go and stay and succeed. Uh, what have you seen as challenges to EHRs that brought you to this development of this headless EHR? And probably more importantly, what exactly is a headless EHR? So interesting bit of backstory there. One of the things that happened as we began to build out this health tech focus, built for equity business, is that startups in our portfolio began to get acquired by much larger clinical organizations. And so when that happened, we began working with those larger clinical organizations, initially just to integrate our product into their clinical landscape. But ultimately, they started asking us to help fix problems that they were having with their EHR. Mm -hmm. So we, um, as a technical team, were trying to address challenges they had doing things like integrating third-party products um, into their EHR, mm -hmm. trying to change portions of the UI or workflow of the EHR to better suit what the clinical environment actually was. In other words, um, the patients or providers um, had certain expectations and, and they didn't match the way the EHR worked. I, I could go into some examples if useful. Um, and, um, and there were organizations that in one way or another were trying to manipulate um, 
their own clinical data to, to better serve their patients or their clinicians. All of those things were proving prohibitively difficult. Um, so the EHRs that existed were about 30 or 40 years old. They really weren't designed um, to allow integration in this way. And, and if we're being really honest about it, um, the business model of most of those EHRs was not suited um, to allowing that sort of integration. In other words, the, they generally wanted to have a, a silo around the underlying data and, and workflows within the EHR. So we were beating our head against the wall trying to solve these problems. <clears throat> Probably two or three years ago, we began frequently fielding requests from large clinic organizations that we were working with asking us to simply replace their EHRs with a custom product. So they were fed up with the problems that they were having, um, asking us to simply build a custom EHR for them. Um, and we assessed those opportunities and ultimately turned them down at that time. So we went back to those clinical organizations and said, you're not really a software organization. Um, you're, you're a clinical organization. The amount of lift involved, not just in building the EHR, but maintaining it over time, is really probably prohibitive. Um, and so we don't necessarily think it's a good idea for you to do that. We're, we're flattered that you asked us to do that. Um, we would love at some point in the future to take on a challenge like that, but we're not sure it makes sense for you as an organization. And, and we just can't do it right now. At least we can't feel good about doing it. But because we were living these problems every day, um, trying to, to improve the, the the experience for the clinicians and the patients in these organizations, we really wanted a solution. And so ultimately the solution that we landed on is this one that, that you talked about, which we call a headless EHR. And so the, the gist of it is, or the idea is that if we can provide every single thing that an EHR does um, as a back-end service, uh, and what we mean by back-end service, if, are you familiar at all with Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure or any of these cloud-based providers. Yes. So the idea that is that if we could provide what amounts to a cloud provider that's very specifically targeted to solving the set of problems that one would need to build an EHR health tech product on the back end, if we could provide the regulatory compliance and certifications necessary, then we could take these projects of building custom EHRs and custom health tech products that were not feasible um, two years before um, and make them feasible. And so that's the gist of ZAP EHRs, headless EHR. It's to provide a backend environment that um, takes these projects um, and makes them about 85% easier to do. In other words, um, it requires about 15% of the effort to, to build a custom EHR. Okay, impressive. Um, so, so how has the reception been? for ZAP EHR? So one of the things that we did before we ever started building ZAP EHR as a product, so we went back to these clinical organizations that had made these requests to us over the years. And we essentially said, remember that request you made two years ago mm -hmm. that we said we couldn't do? We think we have a way to solve that problem now. Are you interested in becoming an early adopter on this platform? We'll work with you to make sure that the software that you want to build um, is compatible with the platform. So we got early buy-in initially from some rather large uh, clinical partners. In fact, one in particular I'd like to highlight is an organization called PM Pediatrics. So PM Pediatrics is the largest pediatric urgent care facility in the country. They have about 
120 brick and mortar clinics. They have a telehealth business. They, um, they see about a million and a half patients a year. Um, and they've been struggling with their EHR. They, they've been rapidly growing and, and, and they were kind of bursting at the seams of what their EHR would do. So <clears throat> we went back to them um, and asked them if they were amenable, because they had asked us before to, to build a custom EHR, to, to building an ZAP EHR. Um, but we made them an offer, which was when we build uh, an EHR, when you build an EHR on top of ZAP EHR, we will assist you in building the front end as well. So normally ZAP EHR is a headless product that doesn't have a front end piece. Um, we told TM, we'll build the front end EHR for you, but on the condition that we can make that front end EHR open source so that other organizations who want to build custom EHRs not only have the back end available, but they also have this front end starting point. PM very graciously agreed. Um, and so in addition to ZAP EHR, in partnership with PM, we're rolling out this front end EHR over the next year or so. Actually, impressive. Impressive. I'm glad I'm glad they were still looking for help and I'm glad you were able to help them out. Speaking with Daniel Abrams, CEO of Mass Light and Zap EHR on the Collective Voice of Health IT. Uh, let's talk about the, the call through regulations uh, to grant patients more access to their data and also kind of opening up the floodgates, if you will, for third party organizations to also work with EHRs, patient data. Um, how does this, and then I guess the second part of it, how does this, along with the emerging technology that is artificial intelligence making its way into uh, healthcare, uh, affect your work, not only MassLight, but also with ZAP EHR? So in many ways, it's the basis for our work. Um, part of the emergence of ZAP EHR was right around the time when there were regulatory tailwinds that were really coming into play that required fire-based um, mm -hmm. interactions and interoperability between EHRs and health tech systems. And so if you think about ZAP EHR, at the deepest, most underlying levels, the data store is simply a, a fire-based data store, meaning that, um, that if you're building an application on top of ZAP EHR, it's completely compliant with these emerging standards. And when you look at um, other startups in the space that have bought in um, to what the, the federal government is trying to do in terms of encouraging interoperability. I think that you're beginning to see a lot of movement. So most of the entrenched players in a lot of ways have been compliant, but minimally compliant, I would say. If you look at the implementations of FHIR and other standards that they have to encourage interoperability, um, they don't necessarily, uh, they're incomplete or they don't work as well as, as one like. Um, but I think as uh, we go forward, you'll see more and more regulatory pressure trying to ensure that um, that these standards are in place in a way that, that's meaningful and useful. And then specifically with respect to AI, <clears throat> we're seeing a huge both opportunity to improve clinical and patient experiences by um, leveraging 
AI models, and, and also just a lot of organizations jumping into that space, both big and small. And I, I can think I can kind of frame it in concrete terms that, that might make sense to a, a clinical user, which is we've had a request on ZAP EHR that we're in the process of building where when a, a clinician, uh, so today, if you imagine a clinical encounter with a patient, many of those clinicians are recording and having those encounters transcribed. And in some way that ends up in the EHR today, but it's just a raw transcription, which is not terribly useful in the sense that in general, um, clinician does not have time or inclination to go back and, and read this entire transcript. But what we're able to do with these AI models is take those raw transcripts, um, have the AI model nicely format them into soap notes that, um, that document the clinical encounter in a way that's easily digestible and readable. So we're able to just today, just recently, um, we're able to do this. And then the next step beyond that is um, having those AI models understand those notes to the point where they say, um, I think that this probably represents a, a hypertension encounter. And here's a list of um, prescriptions queued up to you, clinician, that I'm uh, suggesting to you. Now, you have to go through and review them and, and sign off on them or remove the ones that don't make sense. But even beyond just the encounter documentation, it's readily apparent that, that AI models will be able to do this sort of thing fairly rapidly. Bright future ahead, and let's talk about that future in terms of EHRs, in terms of healthcare investments. Um, I always like to ask my guests, you know, where do you see healthcare in the next three to five years? But the way things are moving, it's more like, what do you see in the next 12 to 18 months? Uh, so, so what are you planning on and what do you see in terms of the industry over the next year and a half? Well, I, I will caveat this by saying for better or worse, and I really mean for better or worse, um, health tech will always be a relatively slow moving industry. Mm -hmm. So, both for regulatory reasons and patient safety reasons, um, what you're going to see is technical improvements emerge, but it takes time for them to see widespread adoption. I do think that the areas that I'm really excited about are that there are substantive opportunities to improve the experience of both patients and clinicians in very meaningful ways um, from the technology side, I mean. So if you think about the way... Um, clinicians interact with their EHRs today, you'd be hard-pressed to find a clinician who says they love their EHR. In fact, it's a fairly large contributor to clinician burnout, the amount of time that they have to spend interacting with the machine and, and not interacting with their patients. Mm -hmm. If you um, look at the patient side and ask patients how easily they're able to do things like book an appointment, how easily they're able to do things like engage um, with their providers. Um, all of these things today are still in a relatively, are, are in their infancy in the sense that um, the experiences are not great. So I absolutely believe over the next 12 to 18 months, you will see solutions emerge that have um, both patients and clinicians saying, this is substantively better in many ways than the experience that we have today. Now, it will take a long time to diffuse out um, to you know, really big hospital systems or, or organizations that, um, that just can't move as quickly as a small startup, but the underlying infrastructure, the application, it will be there in a way um, that, that you or I can look at and say, this is better, and it's something that everyone needs to have. 
Excellent, excellent. Uh, Dan Abrams, CEO at Mass Light and Zap EHR. Uh, before we let you go, any uh, resources, uh, anything you'd like to plug and share with our audience? Yeah, I think the thing I, I, I'm most interested in and, and the plug I'd like to make, is, it's not so much a plug for our product in particular, but I think we're just really excited to talk to other individuals who have a vested interest in improving the technical experience, either their clinicians or patients. And so I would encourage any of your listeners um, who are interested in just having a conversation about these topics and have some background to get in touch um, because it's very meaningful to us. It informs the work that we do. Um, and we're excited about the future and, and like to find like-minded uh, people to, to discuss it with. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. This was a great episode. Uh, kind of a, a shark tank type feel. I'm sure you've heard that before regarding the work that you do at MassLight. <laughs> we get asked about that all the time. Yeah. So you're like healthcare shark, shark tank. <laughs> We, we try and uh, be a little gentler, maybe a dolphin tank, but... Um, but <laughs> Perfect, but, dolphin tank. It works. It works either way. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel Abrams, CEO at MassLight and Zap EHR. We look forward to having you back on the show uh, sometime soon to talk about more fantastic work that you're doing, not only with EHR, but also with healthcare startups and investments. Wonderful. Thank you, too. I really appreciate the opportunity. Not a problem. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the healthcare IT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association at our website, wedi.org. Thank you for joining us and be safe.